0: Okay, so we are today, if this is your first time ever at the gathering, you have come on week 35 of a 35 week long journey through the book of Acts. And now you're thinking, I'm glad I picked today, <laughs> right? Um, but here's what we're going to do. If you got a note sheet, do you have a note sheet? You're going to need it today. If you don't have a note sheet, I'm taking a risk here. If you'll raise your hand, I think we can get you a note sheet. If you need one, just raise your hand. Mel's our test subject right now. Here we go. Look at that. Go, Larry. Now Larry needs one. Raise his hand. Larry's like, I need one. Here's one's coming to you, Larry, right now. Um, this morning, I'm gonna give you this big idea right up front. And the great thing about the big idea, the way it worked out, and this is God, because you know that I'm not this smart, right? So this is a big idea that really does sum up Acts 28. That's the last chapter we're going to look at today. But I think it also sums up the entire series, the entire book of Acts. So the great thing is today I'm going to make you biblical scholars. Look at the person next to you. They don't look like a scholar, especially if they're from here. And I'm from here, so I'm just saying But today I'm going to make you a biblical scholar. So you're going to go to lunch today. You're going to order your meal. And your server is going to say, by the way, I've been wondering for the longest time, what is the book of Acts really about? And you're going to say the big idea. And they're going to think that you are amazing. Are you ready? Here we go. The big idea. Get your pens ready. Click them a couple times. That's awesome. Here we go. The hope of the church is that the king of the church cannot be stopped. The hope of the church is that the king of the church cannot be stopped. That's good right there. That sums up the whole book of Acts. I mean, if you've been here for any part of the journey, then you know. I mean, has the church in Acts been perfect? No. No. Have they had, um, has it been all butterflies and bubble gum? No. Have they had persecution? Yes. It's not always been good. But what we've seen is from beginning to end, there's this advancing kingdom. Um, if you're here and you have a receding hairline, that's a problem, Right. But a bigger problem would be the advancing hairline, right? If it just slowly came over the front, and be a little weird. The kingdom of God is always advancing, and the reason it's always advancing is because of this big idea. The hope of the church, our hope is that the king of the church cannot be stopped. Now, all of us find something in that statement that we agree with. If you're here today and you don't love Jesus, you don't love the church, You just, um, Phil calls our orange wall our bug wall, right? Is that right? This is our bug wall. Because we've been down here this week, and here's what we see. We're in here painting, and people just walk by and go, oh, look, an orange wall. I'll just come in. It's like, it's great. Maybe you're here because you saw an orange wall. You don't even know Jesus. You don't even read the Bible. But I can guarantee you there's something in that statement that you want. And here's what it is. You would love to have the kind of energy that never stops. I got this picture of this bunny that you've probably seen before. That's the Energizer bunny. Just a show of hands. Who knows the slogan for that company? Raise your hand. It keeps. Right. And that's what we want, right? Right. I mean, we want to keep going and going and going. We don't want to run out of energy. When I say, hey, there's something in Acts that says that you could go and not be stopped, all of us immediately, we resonate with that, especially parents of small children. Because as much as we want that to be true of our lives, I got another picture that's a little bit more accurate of who we probably are more than we are that. Go ahead and show that, Michael. Is that not right? So I want you to understand something. A battery company has cornered the advertising market with a promise of perpetual energy, but that girl on the toilet, that's more me and you. And so what I did not say in that big idea was that you will not be stopped because you might be. We have watched. I mean, if you were here when we talked about Stephen, he was the first martyr of the church. Was Stephen stopped? Yes, you know how we know? You try walking into a big rock, it stops you. So you may be stopped. I may be stopped. The police could come in here right now, handcuff me, take me out, and kill me. Wait, we're in America, right? <laughs> okay, maybe that won't happen. That might be extreme, but I could be stopped. You could be stopped. But the church can't be stopped because the king of the church cannot be stopped. So sometimes we're guilty of this we're guilty of trying our best. So you wake up one day, especially for me, like the fall is a great time of year. Like the summertime's, like, yeah, it's real sluggish, and everybody's sweating all the time, and you hate it. But something about like 50 degrees in the morning, like man, let's tackle some stuff. Let's do some stuff. I've got energy. I'm ready to go. And that lasts for about how long? Five minutes? I don't know. So see, there's things in your life and in my life, and we really we want to change them. So we start out like the Energizer Bunny, but eventually... You are the girl in the toilet. You got no more energy. Okay? Let me just show you in scripture where that's true and then we'll jaunt through Acts 28. Philippians 4:13, you've heard this verse before. I can do all things. Everybody say all. So if we just stopped it right there, then I'm just a self-help book, right? And now what all these books say that we spend a lot of money for, I can do all things. But that's not the important part of the verse, right? I can do all things through Christ. Because you and I don't have the strength to do it. You know how we know that? Somebody say how. $12.5 $12. $12. $12 billion is what we're going to give away at the end of the service. You have a ticket under your chair. No, I'm just kidding. Don't look. Don't look. Twelve and a half billion dollars is what we spent last year in America on energy drinks and energy shots. Twelve and a half billion dollars. That's proof enough that we don't have what it takes to go and go and go and not be stopped. But I'm going to tell you something. The hope of the church, if you're following Jesus, is that you follow the king over a church and he cannot be stopped. Acts 28. I'm going to show you five benefits of following a king who can't be stopped. Here's the first one. Acts, Acts 28 will be in verse 11. There's this interesting thing in the story. Um, Paul's going to get on a ship, and he's going to make his last journey to Rome. And here's what it says. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. Really weird, obscure verse. Here's all I want you to get from that. First benefit of following a king who can't be stopped. It gives us freedom. Now, what's the big deal about the ship that he was on? It, it wasn't a Christian ship. Anybody listen to Caleb? Okay. I'm not knocking Caleb, although it's going to sound like I'm knocking Caleb, Okay. But Caleb's going to have, like, they'll have their annual Caleb cruise, right? So you go on a cruise and you're with all these Christians. This is not what Paul did. Paul did not go on a Christian cruise, Paul got on a pagan ship dedicated to false gods. The reason why I point that out is because if that was happening today, Paul would not have gotten on that ship. He would have boycotted that ship. That's what the church tends to do with pagan things we boycott them. God used a pagan ship to get Paul the last leg of the journey to Rome. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the ends justify the means. What I am saying is that when the king of the church can't be stopped, he can use any kind of means to get you to the end. And sometimes we're so quick. to, Oh, no, no, that's, that's ungodly. I can't be a part of that. I mean, have you looked around? You know that we live in an ungodly culture, right? The ungodly culture that surrounds us is never more powerful than the hand of God around us. That's good to remember. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in knowing. Sometimes things that we wouldn't even agree with, God could actually use them in our lives. We don't have time this morning to go through it, but if you read the Old Testament, any at all, you know what you'll find out that the Israelites who were God's chosen people. God used the Babylonians. He used all kinds of ungodly cultures all around them to accomplish his purpose in their life. And so sometimes we're rebuking and standing against things that maybe God's using that. Is it possible? I know this is a stretch, okay? <laughs> but any of you have a bad boss? Yeah, you're not going to raise your hand because they might see you, right? They're looking around the orange bug wall. Okay, sometimes we're so praying against the bad boss, have you ever stopped to think that it's possible that God's using the bad boss to work something out in you? So see, knowing that the king of the church can't be stopped gives us freedom in any circumstance that we find ourselves to know that he can use anything to achieve his end in our lives. Paul was on an ungodly ship, but he didn't live ungodly. Galatians 5.13, you can just jot that down because I think you have to answer this question. How do we live with freedom and godliness in an ungodly culture? How do we do that? Galatians 5.13 talks about freedom, and here's what it says. I'm paraphrasing, okay? Never use your freedom to serve yourself. Always use your freedom to serve others. So Paul's not on an ungodly ship partying it up. He's on an ungodly ship living for Jesus. He's living for Jesus in order to point other people to Jesus. And that one principle can give us freedom to live in ungodly situations. And look, that's really good for some of you. Because some of you are in some really jacked up situations. Sometimes we find ourselves in awful situations and our first reaction is to run as fast as we can in the opposite direction, or at least just stand there. I should, you should try this. I'm not a marriage counselor, okay? But if you have a, like a, a husband who's not following Jesus, just go home today and rebuke him. Just try that. See how it works out for you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Satan, you get behind me. Tell me how your marriage is going. Right, maybe at some point we have to trust God. He can work in that situation. We have freedom. That was the one that wasn't fun. Okay, let's move on. Number two, not only do we have freedom, it gives us family. Verse 15, um, the brothers there were in Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. Now, this does not mean that they were hanging out at a bar, the Three Taverns, and they said, hey, Paul's there. Let's go. It just means they'd heard about it. This was about 45 miles away from where Paul was. So um, nowadays, what? 45 miles? Not a big deal, right? Who goes to Charlotte every other day just because it's Charlotte? Raise your hand. Just, just an hour. I'm gonna go. I gotta go somewhere, right? Just get out and get in the car and go. But back then, 45 miles—that's a big deal. And why did they do that? I'm thinking that they liked Paul, right? Do you have people in your life that would do something like that? I drove six hours in a car for ten minutes with Wendy once. That's either love or stupid, right? But it didn't, I didn't think it was going to take six hours. It's just that on the map from here to there was about two and a half inches. And it didn't look like it would take that long. It's just it was two and a half inches of mountain roads. So it was around and around and around. By the time I got where she was to surprise her, I realized I had to leave immediately to get back to where I had to be to speak the next time. So it was like, hey, bye. Why would I do such a stupid thing? I like Wendy. Let me tell you something. You know what the beauty of the, of the gospel is, the beauty of the, of the church? It's that every one of us, if you look around the room, we are so different. And you know what we all had in common? The Bible says that we were unwanted orphans. Can you imagine that? I mean, one of my sisters is adopted. I cannot imagine. I mean, sometimes the shame of it is if you're in a family where you have a mom and a dad, you get sick and tired of them, right? But can you imagine not having a family? I mean, literally being alone, an orphan, and not just alone, but unwanted. The Bible says that that's what you and I were. And we Ephesians 2.17 says this, that Jesus came and he preached to those who were near and those who were far. And he took both of those groups and he brought them together and put them in a family. Listen, just like your family, the church, the family of God, guess what we do sometimes? Fight. We bicker. We don't get along. We say things like, well, if you were more like Jesus, but what we really mean is if you were more like me, you would sing this way or you would wear this shirt or, I mean, do I, why in the world do they pick orange for a wall? You know, I mean, we, kinda, we come up with all kinds of things, but you know what? That's just family. I mean, what's your family like? I know what my family's like, and we disagree sometimes. I mean, I'm right, but we disagree sometimes. But at the end of the day, no matter how much we've disagreed, guess what everybody in my family gets to do? Put their head on a pillow that's on a bed that's in a home that is safe. Guess what we get to do as a church family? We get to live in a, in a family. We get to be safe. We actually get to live in a family that would go an extra mile or an extra two miles or, in this case, an extra 45 miles just to see Paul. And I love that. I know the church is not perfect but find me any other organization on the face of the planet that will consistently go the extra mile to serve one another. That only happens in a church full of redeemed souls. Forty-five miles, one way, without a car. No iPods. No entertainment like they had to talk to each other. Just to see Paul, and what does it say happened at the end of verse fifteen? It says that Paul was encouraged. I love that. Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Romans twelve ten says to outdo one another in showing honor. That's what we do in this church: outdo one another in showing honor. So, we have freedom. We have a family. The third is we get a forum. God gives us a forum. Verses 17 through 28, I'm not going to read all of them. But in verse 16, you'll find that Paul, when he got to Rome, was he was under guard, okay? Uh, by the way, forum. I don't mean an internet forum. <laughs> Sweet. Got an internet forum. We can chat and talk. No, no he, A forum's like a platform. He gives us a place to, to speak. He gives us people to hear. And I just love how this works out. Verse 16, Paul's in Rome. He's under guard, and yet still God, because God cannot be stopped, he takes a person who's under guard in Rome and still gives him a forum. And so verses 17 through 20, you can read it on your own time. Verses 17 through 20, Paul just shares his testimony. I It'd just be like me coming out to you and giving you the microphone. Hey, you got a testimony? You want to share it? And he shares his testimony. You, you followed me, guys. You know where I've been. This is what God's done. And it actually says at the end of that that they wanted to hear more. Now, these are Jews. They don't even believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're just listening to Paul talk. And they're so interested in it that they said, hey, you know, we want to hear more. And in the verse 22, it actually says that they're the ones that arrange the meeting. So they want to hear more. They arrange a meeting so Paul can come back and tell them more about Jesus. So, I mean, if nothing else, do you start to see how there's, there's no stopping the kingdom of God? I mean, all the obstacles that Paul was walking through, all the stuff he went through, they cannot stop the king of the church. And I love that. When your enemies are arranging the meeting because they want to hear more about Jesus, that's a good thing. Unless it's an ambush, and then that's a whole other story. But then even if you're stopped, the church can't be because the king of the church can't be stopped. The point of this is simply this. Nothing can stop God from putting you in a position to speak the truth to those that need to hear it. He gives us a forum. The fourth one is he gives us faith. Verse 28. Paul says, therefore, I want you to know. That God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. I don't know if you're if you're catching this, but like if you've been given freedom, if you've been given a family if you've been given a form, at some point, do you see how this begins to build some confidence in you? I mean, to this point in the message, I don't know how many times I've said to you that the kingdom of God can't be stopped. But Paul is getting full and full and full of faith. And my guess is, no matter what you're facing right now, as you hear me keep saying, man, Jesus cannot be stopped. There's something in you that starts to grow a little bit. Like, Wait a second. If Jesus can't be stopped, that means that what I'm going through can't stop us. God's not limited by my circumstance, by my situation. And you start. You know what's growing inside of you? What's growing is faith. You start to say, wait a second. God can still do what he said he would do. Paul says the Jews, he says to them, listen, here's the deal. You're Jews, and God told me that you would not listen. He quotes the scripture from Isaiah, said, I'll always talk and you'll never hear. He said, but this I do know. I know that he has sent salvation to the Gentiles, and they will Listen, man, there is no doubt in Paul's mind. There is no wavering in the words that he speaks. So here he is at the end of a journey, and we know how bad it's been. If you were here last week, we talked about the fact that Paul was in a shipwreck, right? And then if he got off the shipwreck, he survived it. And how does he get rewarded for surviving a shipwreck? He reaches in and gets bitten by a snake, right? And then he shakes it off, because I told you some of us need to learn how to shake stuff off. Don't let stuff hang on, just shake it off into the fire. So this is Paul's life, stoned, escaping prison, getting out of prison, being put back in prison, shipwrecked, getting bit by snakes. I mean, it's like one thing after the other. And he gets to the end of his life, the end of his journey right here. He finally arrives in Rome, and his comment at the end of all of that is, hey, man, God sent me to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Do you hear the faith in Paul? It it sounds A lot like Tom Hanks, to be honest with you. If you've seen the movie Cast Away, what Paul says here is very reminiscent to what Tom Hanks said at the end of Cast Away. We're going to play that for you now.
1: We both had done the math. Kelly added it all up. Knew she had to let me go. I added it up. Knew that I had I'd lost her. Because I was never gonna get off that island. I was gonna die there. Totally alone. I mean, I was gonna get sick or I was gonna get injured or something. The only choice I had. The only thing I could control was when and how and where that was going to happen. So I made a rope, and I went up to the summit to hang myself. I had to test it, you know, of course. You know me weight of the log snapped the limb of the tree. So I I couldn't even kill myself the way I wanted to. I had power over nothing. That's when this feeling came over me like a warm blanket. I knew. Somehow, I had to stay alive. Somehow. I had to keep breathing. Even though there was no reason to hope. And all my logic said that I would never see this place again. So that's what I did. I stayed alive. I kept breathing. And then one day that logic was proven all wrong because the tide came in, gave me a sail. And now here I am. in my glass. And I've lost her all over again. I'm so sad that I don't have Kelly. But I'm so grateful that she was with me on that island. And I know what I have to do now. Gotta keep breathing. Because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring?
0: When our hope is in the king of the church who cannot be stopped, we will do the same thing. We will keep breathing because you never know what the tide might bring. Whatever you're in right now is not the end. We keep looking. We keep trusting. We live full of faith, because God's plan will not be stopped. And the last thing that we get from following a king who can't be stopped as it gives us a future. Uh, any of you who reads in here, who reads novels, raise your hand. Uh, a really well-written novel, when it's over, you kind of know it's over, right? I mean, if it's well-written, it's kind of this, you can hear the music in your head, and then like it's over, and you lay it down and go, that was great. Acts doesn't end like that. Here's the last two verses of Acts. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. So he's got an apartment, and he's hanging out with friends. And he's, verse 31, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. You're like, okay, but what happened? What happened to Paul? So he's in Rome. I get it. He put a deposit down, rented an apartment probably cooking some food, sharing with his friends, talking about Jesus. So what happened? A lot of the scholars and commentaries will say this. Many of them believe that it ends abruptly on purpose because what God's saying is this is not the end. This is just the end of the beginning. That the, the story of Acts is still being written by you and you and by you. And by you that the church still moves on. This was just the beginning of the church. You and I have a future. We have a hope. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that God has given us a hope and a future. He plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The story is still being written. I could ask you the question you have the pen, what story are are you writing? And would we want to read it? Acts 2.10 says that you and I were created to do good works. And that God created you specifically to do the works that he's prepared for you to do. So the end of Acts is not the end at all. It's the end of the beginning. The baton has been handed to you and to me. And it is for us to carry the future of the church. So my job this morning is to land this jumbo jet of Acts. So here's how we're going to do it. I want to walk you through the big idea one more time, and I'm going to show you one last picture. Don't do it yet. The big idea says this. The hope of the church is that the king of the church cannot be stopped. And here's what that means for each one of us. It means this, that no matter what you're facing, it cannot stop God from using your life to push his kingdom forward. Just out of curiosity, the economy's been down now for what, a decade? <laughs> it feels like it. Anybody gone through a period of unemployment during the bad economy? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Kingdom of God's still going forward. Anybody been blessed to have a job, but you don't feel like it's a blessing because you hate it, but you just have it because you need to have a job? Raise your hand. Kingdom of God is still going forward. Anybody get to the end of the month, you don't have enough money to pay your bills? Raise your hand. Kingdom of God is still going forward. Anybody have a loved one that you wish loved Jesus, but they do not? Raise your hand. Kingdom of God is still going forward. Any of you have past experiences that you have begged God to forgive you of, and even though he has, you're not sure if he really did because you can't forgive yourself. You don't have to raise your hand, but the kingdom of God is still going forward. Because the hope of the church is not that we're good people. The hope of the church is that the king of the church cannot be stopped. And so the picture I want to leave you with, some of my all-time favorite pictures, and I know it's can't wait till it's not sunny in here and you can see it. I hope you can see this picture. Go ahead and put it up. It's my all-time favorite picture. Can you all see that over there? You can leave that up. Just leave it up. This is the picture that this week, when you run into those circumstances and those situations that are trying to stop you, And that weigh you down, and you close your eyes to prepare to scream out to God, God, I want you to see that picture in your head. Because this is what God is doing in your life. This is the picture of the book of Acts. That He, you know what happened in this tube moments before this picture was taken, right? There's a cat in a tube. And it's like, I don't want to be in this tube. And they hit a bump, a wake. They hit something. And those kids are like, what just happened? And that cat's like, freedom! And he just got launched. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, that is what God did all through Acts We saw it time after time after time. They would be persecuted, a bump, and he would scatter them. Somebody would be stoned, and they would be like, Oh no, what do we do? And he would scatter them. And Paul would get on a ship, and he would get shipwrecked, and he would get a snake, and God was scattering him. This is what God does. The hope of the church is that the king of the church cannot be stopped. And the bumps in your life, the things that are going on in your life, the things that you will encounter this week, that spouse that is driving you crazy. The professor, the coach, the friend that doesn't just stab you in the back, but they twist it and turn it and twist it and pull it out and go back for more. If you try to solve that in your own strength, you got no shot. But when you understand your hope is that you serve a king who can actually use those circumstances to launch you where he wants you, that is good news. We can walk confidently in any circumstance, in any situation. Because just like Paul told the Jews in Acts 28, verse 28, we have been sent to the world and they will listen. The hope of the church is that the king of the church cannot, everybody say cannot. Cannot cannot be stopped. Let's pray. God, thank you for... for acts thank you for a written record of the early church for men and for women throughout this whole book who have followed you relentlessly who have failed you consistently and whom you have still used graciously to accomplish your kingdom I don't know about anybody else in this room, but that gives me hope because I fail, God. I make mistakes. I mean well. I start out like the Energizer Bunny. I end up a girl in the toilet. God, I mean to do better, but I just can't in my strength. And so this morning, as we wrap this up, God, we just give you our lives. It sounds weird to say it, but God, I so want to be that cat. I, I just want... The things in my life that I usually let drive me crazy, I want to let them just launch me, God, into the next thing you have for me. Your kingdom is always advancing, always moving forward. It cannot be stopped. And we're so thankful, God. In your name, Jesus.